0: not just a house. This is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.
1: This is Happier. This week we talk about how to get yourself to go to sleep earlier and whether you're an abstainer or a moderator when it comes to resisting a strong temptation. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature, who lives in New York City, and with me is my sister the sage, Elizabeth Kraft, who's my happiness guinea pig and questioner.
0: That's me. I'm Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and Gretchen makes me happier, even if it's against my will.
1: We're going to start with a suggestion you can try at home a small, manageable habit that will actually make a big difference about how you feel each day. And our suggestion this week is to set an alarm to signal your bedtime.
0: I'm guessing this would require actually setting a bedtime.
1: Yes, this is a sneaky try this at home because it's actually two things. Um, The first is to use an alarm to go to sleep, just like we use an alarm to get up. For a lot of people yeah. who have trouble going to bed on time, it's very helpful to just hear an alarm go off. There's just something about, it it triggers a behavior. You're like, oh, the alarm went off, I guess I have to do something. But as you point out, if you're gonna have an alarm go off, you have to have it set for a specific time. And for a lot of adults, they don't really have a specific time. They just kind of go to bed whenever they're sleepy. You know, we're adamant about little kids having specific bedtimes. right? Um, but we don't give them to ourselves. And here's the thing. Research shows that most adults need at least seven hours of sleep. And so do the math. you know you you know when you have to get up, do the math, count back seven hours. Um, and and set yourself a bedtime. Now, do you? I have a bedtime ten thirty. What's your? Do you have a bedtime?
0: I do not have a bedtime. I you know at midnight I start thinking yeah. I should think about going to bed. Um, yeah. And you know that I have this goal of waking up at six a.m. to write yeah. every morning. And I did it yeah. two mornings, and I was traumatized the rest of the day. <laughs> so I've i yeah. forgotten that. But you you got to get a better. I know. So because I wasn't going to bed earlier, and so then I was You're exhausted. So. Um, I'm thinking, you know, even though it's totally against my whole being to set an alarm to go to bed, <laughs> I think I might actually do this, try this at home myself.
1: Well, yeah, put your money. My your husband's going to
0: think I'm insane. He goes to bed about two or three. By the way. Oh
1: my gosh! But so here's the difference between you and me. I think is that for me, going to bed early feels like a luxury. It feels indulgent to me to go to sleep ah. as soon as I'm sleepy, and then to wake up in the morning naturally. I feel like that's that's like a treat and i feel like for you it feels like the opposite of a treat it feels like a duty or kind of an unpleasant chore to go to sleep earlier is that is that right
0: well it's true in the moment when i'm actually deciding to go to bed it feels like a chore but when i sort of wake up throughout the night and then it's only 1 a.m. and i've been asleep for 2 hours it feels right. great so if yeah. i could just hold on to that feeling and remember it you know at midnight Or even better, 11 p.m., you know, I'd be able to follow through. My problem is every night I forget that I wanted, I woke up wishing I'd gone to bed earlier.
1: But see, that's the thing about setting an alarm is that then you're not not waiting for yourself to have that thought. Like something goes off and it's like, "Mm, well, what do I want to do right now? I see that it's 1130. I see that it's midnight. Am I going to stay up past my bedtime or am I going to use the alarm to kind of start that downward cycle towards bed?
0: All right, well, I'm going to set my alarm f- from 11.30 at 11.30 starting tonight. Like, is that the, think the shock to I think it's semi-realistic. I think it's semi-realistic because my goal will be to move that back even more, you know, to get to my 6 well, a.m. wake what, up. What time
1: do you wake up in the morning?
0: 7.30.
1: Oh, well, so midnight is actually seven and a half hours for you. So research would suggest that actually midnight is a pretty decent, is a pretty decent bedtime for you. Great. Because I think what happens to a lot of people is they, they get in this kind of wired but tired state where mm. like, they, they check their email or they turn on the TV and they get the second wind. And so uh, then they yes. you know, they feel like, well, I'm not tired. I don't need to go to sleep right now because I'm completely fine. Or they have a snack or they
0: do something. Or they a second the- glass of wine, yeah, as right. I can attest to.
1: Yeah, and 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 that gives you that second wind, and and the second wind is deceptive because actually you're exhausted, and you're just you've just given yourself that sort of artificial jolt, and so you persist in staying up and thinking that you don't need to go to sleep, but actually you're really far short. And here's the funny thing about sleep deprivation when a lot of people will say things like well i've i've trained myself to get by on 5 hours but when scientists study these people they're quite impaired ah. uh, it affects mood memory immune function but the thing about sleep deprivation is we adjust to it so we don't realize how far off our game we are we think we're fine we think oh it's you know yeah sure it was hard to get out of bed but now i feel fine yeah. but but if you're we're in a lab and they you know had stuff stuck to your brain they would be saying this person is not fine this person is not where they would be if they'd had a good night's sleep.
0: That's when I'm sure a lot of accidents happen, too.
1: Oh, and in fact, you know, there's fewer accidents when the time changes each year because people have an extra hour's sleep. It actually does affect car crashes. Wow. Okay, so you're, you're, on, you're on the record. You're going to do it. Okay, try this at home. I'm on the record. Okay.
0: I'm on the record. I'm doing try this at home. Yes. Excellent.
1: Okay, well, let us know if you do try this at home, as well as Elizabeth, um, and how setting an alarm for a specific bedtime works for you. You can send me a tweet at Gretchen Rubin, connect on the Gretchen Rubin Facebook page, or drop us an email at podcast at gretchenrubin.com. Elizabeth, now it's time for a question to help people know themselves better.
0: I know that this question, are you an abstainer or a moderator, is one of your favorites. Oh
1: my gosh, I love this question. And I, I recognize the abstainer-moderator distinction um, when I was reading one of my favorite writers, the 18th century essayist Samuel Johnson. And when someone asked Johnson to have a little wine, Dr. Johnson uh, said, no abstinence is as easy to me as temperance would be difficult. Meaning he can say no, but he can't have just a little bit. He couldn't just have a little wine. And when I read that, I thought I just had this thrill of identification. I thought, you know, that is exactly what I am. I'm an abstainer. So what is an abstainer? What's a moderator? So an abstainer is someone like me who is kind of all or nothing. I can have the whole bar of chocolate. I can have the entire bowl of ice cream, but I can't have a little bit. I can't have just one or two bites. Um, I find it easy to give something up altogether, but I can't have just a little. So that I do better when I abstain from something that's a strong temptation. Then there are moderators, and moderators. Are just the opposite. They get kind of panicky and rebellious if they're told that they can never have something or they can never do something. And they do a lot better when they can have something sometimes, or they can have a little yeah, bit, or they can have a few right? bites. And so they do better when they indulge moderately. So when they're managing a strong temptation, they don't wanna tell themselves no, never. They wanna give themselves a little bit. And this turns out to be really important because a lot of times when we're trying to make ourselves happier, when we're trying to manage our habits, that comes down to how do we deal when we're faced with a strong temptation. Now I'm a hundred percent an abstainer. Elizabeth, what are what are you? What would you say you are?
0: Well, I think I always thought I was a moderator. Um, I always thought you. Were well, a I think it just turned out I had a great metabolism, so I could eat whatever I wanted. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, know, was, I was then bitter, I, bitter about that. Then I hit yes. twenty eight, um, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out I'm an abstainer. Um, and, you know, I really sort of embraced this a couple of years ago when, you know, my downfall are French fries. Yeah, yeah, kryptonite and is French fries, yes. Absolutely. And true. I declared myself free from French fries. Yeah, I just I have phrase. to just let them go, leave my life, and I have not had a French fry since then. And that includes sweet potato fries, so this is a serious sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> well if you're giving up um, and, the sweet
1: potato fries, then you're that's an abstainer. That you're, yeah. you, so no fries.
0: No fries. And you know, it um and it, it helps me know that I haven't like if I have a fry, that means I will have hit rock bottom and I need some sort of intervention, you know? It's my it's my bottom. But the the one problem I will say with this is I think other things can come in and take the place. Uh, so for instance, yeah. now I've Feel like I'm a prisoner to potato chips <laughs> because <laughs> although I didn't used prisoner. to eat. Yes, I now I'm eating potato chips. So I think I also need to let those go. But I'm just I, mentally I'm not there yet. Right. Uh, but it's really true. It's easier to have none than have a have a few. And well, that's and you, true for almost everyone that I've run across.
1: Well, and it's funny because people are a mix because like I could be a moderator as to French fries because I, I've never I mean, I like French fries, but it's not I don't have that same kind of like, oh, I want to eat every French fry. Uh, I mean, if there was right. if there was a serving there, I would eat them all because that's just my nature. But I don't have the same. I'm, you're a salty. I'm a sweet. And and for uh-huh. me, it was much more about, you know, how much Halloween candy could I eat at one sitting and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I you, will say,
0: Gretch, yeah. you I don't know if you remember, but you gave up cheese in college. So I think that was the beginning of your abstainer. Well, uh, this was the thing is, that I think
1: I think in our culture there's such a everybody values moderation and you're supposed to be moderate and it's like use the eighty twenty rule and be good eighty percent of the time and indulge twenty percent of the time or have a cheat day and I it took me a long time to real until I read that Johnson quote I even when I. Kind of realized that it was easier for me to give things up altogether. I still wasn't really doing it because I felt like it wasn't the right way. I shouldn't just give something up altogether. When people think about abstaining, they think of it as being really hard and something that only people with a lot of self discipline can do. But the funny thing, I mean, don't you think? That actually, it's the easy way. It's the lazy way. The lazy way totally. to give it up yeah. on you. No, and so yeah. and this is, we're talking then about you food. Then you don't have to make the decision. Yeah, yeah, no decision. Get out of the decision. We're talking about food, but it's also for technology. I know a lot of people who, mm. like, they can't play video games for 15 minutes.
0: That, I, uh, that makes sense to me because I have, I'm a Candy Crush person. Ah. And I have said it, the biggest, you know, obstacle in my career is Candy Crush. <laughs> and I, mean, I play, I will sit and play for three or four hours I buy extra lives and I just keep playing. I should take it off my phone. And I I've, I've thought that before. You should. Uh, you should just take it off uh, your
1: phone. Then you could just
0: Oh uh, I should. I don't know that I'm going to um I think if setting the alarm is all like, I'm going to do that for okay. today, and then I'll ponder the candy crush.
1: I wonder why you call me a happiness bully, and then I do things like this. Uh, exactly. If I'm right, it's like you'd have to go, if you took it off, you'd have to go back all the way to zero. So it would be like a really, That's, it would be a very,
0: yes. it would be serious. Yes, because I'm a, on level 437. That would be a <laughs> That would be major, because yeah, if I changed my mind and I put it back on and I was at zero, I would, I, I would just, you know, I'd be crying. But, I'd but be think very about how upset. much more
1: work you'd get out of. Your, maybe you could sleep later in the morning. I would, and, and you know what? Cash. I would read novels. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I would do more you know, reading. I have a friend who gave up, who, who deleted Russell because she said it was interfering with her, with her reading. Literally, she was like, I can't read novels and play Russell. I have to just. She deleted it from all her devices.
0: Uh, I, I admire her, and and I'm gonna think about that. I'm gonna. That's gonna go in the back burner.
1: So let us know if you're an abstainer or a moderator. And uh, we're both abstainers. So if you're a moderator, let us know how being a moderator works for you. Send us a tweet at Gretchen Rubin or at Elizabeth Craft. Another way to reach us is to leave a voicemail question for me and Elizabeth at 774-277-9336, which is 77-happy-336. On upcoming shows, we'll be answering some of your questions, but since this is such an early episode, we don't have any calls yet.
0: So instead, we're answering a question posted to us from Gretchen's Facebook page. The question is, Gretchen, what was your biggest misconception about happiness before you wrote your first book about it?
1: Well, here's the thing. I was doing all my research about happiness and I kept reading all these studies, all this research that said that novelty and challenge makes people happier. Like even something as simple as going to a new restaurant makes people happier. But I thought the usual rules did not apply to me. I am one of these people who does very few things all the time. I eat the same food every day. I never leave my neighborhood. And so I thought, okay, for someone like me familiarity and mastery are the secrets to happiness Mm. but because I wanted to test everything out and see what worked I started my blog
0: something new, right
1: it was incredibly new it was very intimidating I didn't know how to do anything like that I felt very stupid and incompetent and you know flailing around and indeed my blog has become a huge engine of happiness in my life, and a big part of it is that it was so new and challenging that I got this tremendous surge of a feeling of growth and competence and learning and a whole new world. And it's I, I really have become a believer that novelty and challenge uh, really does uh, boost your happiness. And how about you? How, what do you What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, like you, I think that I like to do the same things. So I go all to the same restaurants. I see the same people, et cetera, et cetera. But my you know that my job as a tv writer means that i actually you know have a new um gig basically every it could be six months it could be a year (laughs) it could be i mean three years for me is a lifetime and each time i have a new job it's a whole new set of people you know it's a new neighborhood it's a new set of politics and i really enjoy that challenge uh, now, I will say I have my writing partner, Sarah, who comes with me to all these jobs. So I have my you know security blanket there.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting. So there's a thread of familiarity that you can kind of hang on to.
0: Yeah, which I think helps. Um, but it is I find it exciting and thrilling and it's like an adrenaline rush to start a whole new situation. Although you'd also, obviously I live with a lot of uncertainty. I yeah. also have a lot of excitement, you know, as well, Sarah says it. to me once in a while, she goes, we must enjoy this because we keep <laughs> doing it.
1: Yeah. Yes, we keep doing it. But that's a good point is that novelty and challenge. The reason I think people shy away from them is a lot of time there's, there's a period of discomfort where you're feeling, uncertain and, and, and anxious and you feel stupid and insecure and, uh, you know, frustrated because you can't just like do what you want. You don't know exactly how to proceed. Um, but if you can push through that, then you get to that, that big happiness
0: boost. And Gretch, tell me, do you still push yourself to do new things or, or have, do you fall back into your sort of old pattern of not doing new things?
1: Well, we're pushing ourselves to do a podcast. And so I think that's a great novel and challenging thing. And I'm getting, it's making me very happy. How about you?
0: Good. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Novelty and challenge podcasts. Excellent. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team
0: Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: To wrap up the show, Elizabeth and I are going to get even more personal. First, one of us is going to give ourselves a happiness demerit for a mistake we made this week that affected our happiness.
0: Then, so we don't leave you on a down note, one of us is going to award a gold star to something or someone we think deserves to be recognized. Uh, well, my demerit starts with the fact that I have it's flu season in Los Angeles and despite Flu vaccines, you know, it's it's getting uh, many of us. And um, so in my house, uh, my son Jack got the flu, my husband Adam got the flu, and our nanny Cynthia all got the flu. I'm yeah. one of the uh, 23% that's actually the flu shot worked for me, thank oh, yeah. God. Yeah. But anyway, so at, our son is applying to kindergarten right now, which is its own Uh, fresh health. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And we had an interview scheduled at one of the schools for a Friday. Now on Monday, Adam was in the full throes of the flu, but we thought, well,
1: I by thought, Friday. okay,
0: by Friday, he'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. I didn't want to move the interview because the truth is I just wanted to get it done. Yeah, I yeah, was so, yeah. you know, I was nervous Crossed and stressed and yeah. I yeah, wanted to cross it off the list. So I said, I'll leave it. He'll be fine by Friday. Well, you know, the days pass and although he isn't contagious anymore, he still felt horrible. Right. Um, and this is a two week flu for sure. Um, And then yet, as the days pass, the closer you get to something like a kindergarten interview, the harder it is to actually change it. The more
1: disruptive it is.
0: Yeah, Yeah, the more you look like, you know, the the jerk parent. Exactly. So we by Friday morning, we had to go through with it. And what I realized as we were driving to the interview and Adam was chugging cough syrup and, uh, you know, blowing his nose was that I should have just changed the interview when I knew he was sick. Right. Uh, and it was just my own selfish desire yeah. to get yeah. it done that kept me from changing it. And so I need to, like, basically, you know, step outside myself and think about other people is, is, is you know, I, the rule. I got to say,
1: in your place, I would have done the exact same thing because I know that feeling of just so desperately wanting to get it over that it's like nothing is going to stop it, you know? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it but, might but be a right. maternal
0: yeah. thing, but uh, yeah. but but I'm not proud of it. And as I was driving, <laughs> I thought, "Oh, this is definitely a happiness to merit,
1: not a high point. Well, okay, let, let, let's turn our attention to happier things then, and like do the gold stars. That's more fun. Okay, yes. So I want to give I want to give a gold star to our mother because uh, uh, well, she had a brilliant idea. The update. So uh, Elizabeth and I, you know, we were home for our high school reunions. We're five years apart, so we're on the same high school reunion schedule. So we were home. Very so convenient. Was the four of us: mom, dad, Elizabeth, Gretchen. And my mom was thinking about a thing that many people have observed, which is this weird phenomenon where somebody that you see every day, you have a million things to tell and to talk about with. But if you see somebody more rarely, you're like, what's up? Nothing. You know, and you don't have anything to say. And she was like, well, so why don't we just try to keep each other in the loop more? Like, just really... Very, very regularly, just update everybody on something. And we all agreed immediately that this was a brilliant idea. We decided to call it up. We never really decided to call it update. It just we started calling the emails right. update. That's what we all adopted. And the motto of update is it's okay to be boring. And we just write the most boring things that are going on. But it's actually
0: daily minutiae
1: daily. It's amazing. It's great. And I've been amazed at, like something so simple that takes no time or energy really has made me feel so much more connected to everybody, you know, because you just know those little things that are going on, and then when you do talk, you, you can ask, you say, "Oh, well, what happened with that interview?" Absolutely. Or, oh, you know, is everybody over the flu, or how was that service that that memorial service that you went to, or whatever? Um, it's just easier to show that affection and that engagement because you. Yeah, you I'm just know what's I'm going with on. you.
0: Yeah, I love this. I think it makes it feel like our family is very like dynamic and. Yes um you know evolving because yes. we're all in each other's business a lot yes. more And it really just takes a minute, especially if you truly let yourself be boring, as we all do. (laughs) As we all do. Um, And And I I get to tell you what the weather is in LA uh, when you're in the polar vortex, which I enjoy.
1: You do rub that in, I have to say. I don't appreciate the constant, uh, like, what's your amazing weather in LA? I sit in New York. Um, But it makes me so happy to see the, up. like when I see it in my inbox. It's like a little something that I'm interested in. Absolutely. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Set the alarm for a specific bedtime. Choose a specific time, set the alarm, and most important, turn out the
0: light. Our producer is Henry Malofsky. Please let us know what you think of the show. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at gretchenrubin.com.
1: If you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And remember to leave a voicemail. It's 774-277-9336. 7 7 7 7 3 3 That's 77-HAPPY-336. 7 7 3 3
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft.
1: And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.